August Beer and Hildebrandt did, when Hildebrandt did it on beer, <laughs> the first ever spinal failed um, because um, <laughs> they couldn't get the syringe to fit onto the spinal needle. So all this fluid gushed out and they couldn't do the injection because <laughs> <it was, laughs> they couldn't get it to screw on properly. I can see each, yeah. them whacking each other with hammers. <laughs> yes. So that was the other one. Hi everyone, uh, back again with Graham. Welcome, Graham. Thank you very much. You enjoying this uh, <laughs> this festive season, Rog? Yes. Um, so yeah, we're just in the lead up to Christmas. How many days have we got? Oh, I think ten. Ten days. Okay. Mm. Yep. I've done a little bit of Christmas shopping this year. Usually, I don't bother. I did some online. I'm a bit of a Grinch. Yeah, I bought a new jumper. Did you? Is this a joke or yeah? <laughs> when I, when I when I put it on, I realised I had too much static. Right. So yep. I sent it back. They gave me another one free of charge. <laughs> Jesus, I can't believe we started with with a joke. I'm saving mine for later. Okay. <laughs> so today, everyone, we've got um, an interesting topic. I'm going to start with a hypothetical case presentation, which is, so this is not a real case, but it is loosely based around things that we have seen done over the years. So you get a phone call, Graham. It's two in the morning. You're, for some reason, you're a junior registrar now, so you're in the hospital. <laughs> You've got a pager. I feel sick already. <laughs> Um, oh no, so it's 2 a.m. Sorry, no, you're the consultant on call. Mm. And he, it's 2 a.m. and you get a, a phone call from the registrar who tells you that they've, while they were topping up an epidural during a code blue caesarean theatre, they, they realised that they've accidentally injected five mils of the kefazolin down the epidural catheter. And, and of course, there's, there's still an emergency caesarean occurring and they need to sort that out, but they're really upset because they're worried that they've injected something bad into the neuraxium. So, how does that make you feel? Well, it makes me feel like I better get in the car and <laughs> head in and um, yeah. provide some support. Yeah, that's right. So, the, so there's a. So this is one. Of, this is what I call, it's called a wrong route error, isn't it? Where someone has injected something in the, down the wrong route. Yes. Um, maybe we should just like define what a wrong route error is. So, what, you know, so what sort of wrong route errors can occur in medicine? I mean, obviously, this is a neuraxial one. But there are many forms of wrong route errors that can occur in medicine yep. intravenously. Yep, so you can inject something that's not supposed to go intravenous, intravenous. I've heard of um, people injecting nasogastric feeds instead of propofol in ICU because they're both sort of white substances. Into um, indwelling catheters. Yep. I've heard of someone getting the lignin gel and administering it intravenously Yep. instead of into the... Um, um, urethra prior to <laughs> yeah prior to um, did it catheter make, insertion did it help with the catheterization probably not <laughs> uh, I was horrified <laughs> probably hopefully the lung uh, stopped that before mm. it got into the systemic circulation so you, anything can be injected down anything and it could be down the wrong wrong route couldn't it so if just imagine something and it's probably been done somewhere in the world because obviously there's billions of people getting healthcare every year. Um, today, what are we talking about? We're going to talk about um, in our fit is, an, is the topic. So that's really sort of we're talking about trying to prevent wrong root errors in relation to neuraxial or regional anaesthesia. Yeah. Um, what have you heard of? Uh, if, what cases have you heard of over the years, um, or either been involved with or heard of, where 
where there's been a, a wrong root error involving well, the, the neuraxial regional anesthesia. I mean, the ones that the, well, the the ones that are quite famous include um, administering uh, antiseptic, chlorhexidine yes. alcohol solution into epidural spaces. Yep, that caused severe um, neurological injury, and and that was you know, permanent harm to a, to a, a patient. So that's a very sad case. Yep, I've heard of kefazolin being yep. administered epidurally. Yep. I've heard of uh, local anaesthetics being um, administered intravenously in an unintended manner, whether um, intended for the epidural space. Yep. Same. Mm-hmm. So I've also heard of, I've also personally been around when metaraminol was injected down an epidural, um, oxytocin. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of these things are actually quite benign and nothing bad happened. Um, I was involved in a case years ago at a children's hospital where uh, a nurse accidentally uh, attached the bupivacaine infusion, which was supposed to be attached to the epidural. She attached it to the, intra, to the intravenous line, and this child was given intravenous bupivacaine. Luckily, that was not uh, spotted, and nothing bad happened. So, youth, yeah, anything can can happen, basically, couldn't it? Yeah, and the other yeah. famous one um, is in the in the chemo, the oncology, in yeah, particular right. paediatric oncology space, where administration of the incorrect substance into the intrathecal space has been um, catastrophic as well. Yeah, oh, uh, I was reading about tranexamic acid has been accidentally injected intrathecally or mm. into the CSF, uh, causing severe neurological injuries. Yeah. Yes. So how common are they? Well, we, we rely on people reporting. Yeah, that's right. They're common enough to um, create large series of uh, cases from yep. um, big, you know, large databases. Yep. So yep. they're probably really underreported. So we did a little bit of research, and um, so the US Pharmacopoeia um, published an article about it in 2012, and they just looked at um, all the case reports that they'd received. So in the US, you know, if you have a, one of these events, you can you can notify the uh, US Pharmacopoeia, and they'd had more than 1,600 since 1999 alone, and that's the ones that are reported. Mm. So in the US over, what's that, 13-year period, there was like... One half thousand of them. So they actually happen all the time, all over the world. Yes. And probably most of the time nothing serious happens, but often, oh, but sometimes bad things do happen. Um, and so is it just because people are, you know, healthcare providers are um, bad people and they're not being careful enough and we should blame them? Oh, definitely not. Um, obviously there's uh, checks and balances within our prescribing, dispensing, administering rules yep. which uh, protect patients to a point. Yep. The checking with a colleague checks, um, sorry, protects patients to a point but then the engineering of the um, m- methods by which uh, medicines are put into the body is also important and that's the probably going to be the next change to our practice yep. with NRFIT. Yeah. Listen, yeah, I agree with you completely. So it's, it's if it, without knowing much about this topic, you can sort of go, how could someone do that? Oh, you know, like you can imagine a journalist or someone perhaps portraying an event like this in the me- in the sort of lay media that, in that manner. Like, oh, it must be a really bad person. You know, they're doing a slack. They're a slacker. They don't do their job properly. But um, we all know that some of these um, – you're looking after patients who are on multiple different things and there's all these different tubes hanging out of them. I've seen some, um, and there's all sorts of time pressures and things that confuse um, the issue and it's very um, easy and impossible to completely prevent these um, events. 
Now, I've seen some, there was an interesting picture in one of the articles I was reading through where um, it had a picture of a, like a pediatric patient, I presume maybe in a, a NICU or a PICU, and um, all, the, all the tubes coming out of it, and they were all like tangled up together, and mm-hmm. they were going <laughs> intravenously into the bladder, into the um, uh, artery, into the, um, oh, there was some other, uh, other body cavities, and there was about five different sites of the body that were, were catheterized with different um, types of tubing and they were all lure lock tubing yes so they're all the same type of tubing which you can connect up to and you can just easily see how confusing it was oh my god um so you know there's all sorts of um things that can lead to human error and yeah. it's not the person's fault i think it's the system that needs fixing and that's what we're going to talk about yep yeah exactly um, and even this is an interesting bit of historical data. So the Lua connector was invented 125 years ago, and there was an article that was um, and that I read was entitled "The Lua of the Lua Connector." Like everyone liked the way it works, and so then every, every everything um, was designed around this. But that's been actually a really bad thing. And interesting, the first ever the first ever spinal that um, August Beer and Hildebrandt did when Hildebrandt did it on Beer, <laughs> the first ever spinal failed. Um, because um, they couldn't get the syringe to fit onto the spinal needle, so all this fluid gushed out, and they couldn't do the injection because because it, it was they couldn't get it to screw on properly. I can see each, them uh, whacking each other with hammers. <laughs> yes, so that was the other way around. So then they, so that was a Hildebrand trying to do it to August Beer, um, but so then obviously Beer did it, but mm. did the um, did a successful a successful spinal on Hildebrand. Um, so they got they got the connectors right. <laughs> yeah, that's eventually. Right. Um, all right, before we move on to, you know, if it's a wrong connection causing death and injury in medicine. So this is data from Germany. So um, this is other different types of connections, so oh. not, not in your axial. This is just more historical oh. padding. I'm just trying to, <laughs> trying to show off. So nitrous oxide and oxygen, getting confused. So that's been plumbed into a hospital in Australia yeah. inappropriately in yep. the last decade, yep. causing severe... Uh, illness and or death in newborns. Yep. And mm. so there's this case report that this uh, was talked about. There were six deaths in Germany between 2004 and 2006 because um, people were administered nitrous oxide instead of oxygen. So that's a wrong route or mm. wrong, yeah, wrong drug. Um, and air, air, there are people have been hooked up things that, that pump air and that's gone intra, intravenously and arterially and that causing emboli. Enteral nutrition IV, epidural solutions IV. Intravenous solutions in your axial. Yeah, so I think we've already gone over that. Enteral nutrition into the lung. Yep. Oh, God. Mm. Um, all right, so so the history behind it. So um, hopefully I've got this right, but this is um, taken from another article. So in 2007, the World Health Organization um, launched their patient safety campaign, and number seven on that, I don't know what all the other numbers are, I haven't written them down, but number seven on that was avoid catheter misconnections. So that's where the things started to seriously, they started seriously thinking about how to address this issue because it's been around forever since, you know, way ever since um, medicine started. And then you got a bit of data on the date, but ISO, you know, the International Standards Organisation, they, they published um, at some stage after that, was it 2012 or 2013, mm. the standard 80369. Write that down, everyone. We'll test you on that later. <laughs> this was on nerve. <laughs> um, and number seven, slash number seven is lure connections. Number six is NR fit or neuraxial regional uh, fits. Number five was cuff inflation, so that must be air. Yeah. Um, number three was enteral. And one and two are related to respiratory things. 
I don't know what number four is. I think there's one for IDC, for catheters, for yeah, indwelling urinary catheters. Yeah, maybe that's number four. Mm. Mm. Not sure about arterial Ooh. lines. Yeah, that's true. There must be one for that as well. Mm. <clears throat> um, so, num- so the one we're going to be talking about is 80369 slash 6. I get a sense, and I, I don't know the whole story and history of attempts to try to address NRFIT, but I understand there were a few attempts by different manufacturers where there wasn't cooperation between manufacturers. Yes. I think that's why they had to get ISO involved. And that delayed things somewhat. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I I remember hearing someone say that as well. I don't know. I haven't looked up. I looked into that. But yeah. I think it's because ISO, which is the International Standards Authority, is the agreed that and they've come out with a, with a standard, then all the manufacturers around the world consider rally behind that and make compatible devices and get this thing um, to work. Yes. So uh, have you got – you've got your hands on some of the NRC yeah, so equipment, haven't you? Yeah, I've used good. Yep. yep. So we'll talk about that in a minute. Yep. So one hospital I work in has now changed over. So, so, it's got, so, so basically the connector has a bit of a – it's like a, got like a six-degree pitch on the yep. um, cylindrical component, and then it's got a different um, pitch on the uh, screw-in component. Yeah. So it's 20% smaller mm-hmm. and three millimetres longer. Yes. And the male cone has an extra sheathing around it. Um, we'll try and put some pictures. I'll uh, try and sort of cut and paste some pictures off the manufacturer's website with, of a, um, a lure connector and an inner fit connector. So that's that's the, the ISO the ISO standard is that it has to be twenty percent smaller, three millimeters longer, and how the male cone has an extra sheathing around it. And um, this is not part of the ISO standard, but but it seems to be that all the manufacturers have adopted it that they all make these um, equipment yellow. Yes. So so everyone seems to, so all in our fit stuff seems to be yellow, not clear, mm. as opposed you know, which is obviously the lure lock stuff, which is for intravenous use. Yes. But the yellow is not part of the standard. No, it's not. Mm. So the manufacturers didn't have to do that, but it mm. appears that, mo- that they all have. Yeah. Yes. Um, all right. Um, which areas of the hospital are affected? Is it just anaesthetists who need to know about this? No. We're a women and newborns hospital. Yep. The air, the areas that are affected are basically all the clinical areas. Pretty much everyone in the hospital, yeah. yeah. So uh, any midwifery staff... Any um, ward or theatre nursing staff, yep. any um, neonatologist or yep. paediatric nursing staff member, uh, our anaesthetic staff, gynaecologists, uh, urogynecologists, that's gynaecologists. That's just in, that's just and, in our um, and women's our, hospital. And our maternal fetal medicine specialists. Yeah, because they, they all use equipment, don't they? They all use equipment that is... Um, Originally purposed as for uh, either anaesthesia or regional analgesia. Yeah, yeah. And then more general for those of you who work in general hospitals, which um, all most of us do here here as well. Yep. Um, so, if you work in ICU, yep. if you're in neurosurgery, neurology, ED, you know, obviously doing lumbar punctures, paediatrics does a lot of stuff. Yep. Well. Neurology, radiologists, mm. oncology. They're often um, pharmacy. Obviously, are going to be involved. Volder will be involved in all this. Even, out, even outpatients go home with regional catheters now. Um, palliative care, so all all areas of medicine and, and hospital medicine, even an outpatient medicine, will, will be to some degree be touched by this because it'll involve changing uh, a change to the equipment that's used. Mm. Um, right, 
We're doing pretty well. It's a big project. <laughs> yeah, it is a big project, but mm. it seems to be taking off now. So we're talking talk about where mm. where the changes have come. So so in our fit, which we talked about, was published in 19, uh, 2016. And that, well, that was when it was first introduced, and it's slowly being um, adopted around the world. But it seems to be a little bit of momentum now. Mm. So, in two thousand and twenty, the Japanese authorities or you know, health authorities passed a law legislation making it a compulsory to use NRFIT. So, all of Japan uses NRFIT equipment now, mm. and that's I think that's helped um, the manufacturers get behind it as well. So now they're actually pumping out all the bits of kit that we need to use because there's a big market for it. There's been a number of other international sites that have adopted it, but it's seemed to have been on a piecemeal basis, and it's often been driven by people who've been involved in wrong route errors or in hospitals where it's occurred where they've had to do something as a response to um, bad outcomes, and that includes the United Kingdom, Germany, New Zealand... Yeah, so um, I think a lot of the manufacturers or some of the manufacturers are based in Germany, Braun and Padjunk and others that make these neuraxial yes. outfit equipment. And so it seems to me from uh, what I was reading that Austria and Germany and those that part of Europe has seems to have adopted it. I'm not sure the whole country has, but they, they're the big adopters and the UK is uh, definitely moving in that direction as well. And I think Auckland Hospital has changed over. This was probably one of the first in Australasia. They have North Shore, their group of... Um, yep. Are um, adopting it soon. Yep, and uh, and here in WA um, at Osborne Park Hospital, we've um, uh, changed over to in our fit recently as well. Yes, I don't know if there's anywhere else in WA who's about to change or not, but I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah. Anyway, it's it's a way. It's, it will be eventually a bit, probably a bit like electric cars. Eventually, everywhere will be using it, and the old equipment will be like some red rubber tubes and things. They'll be relegated to the to the um, museum. <laughs> Back in the day, <laughs> we we've used had to a use, few, we've, we've had, had clear syringes for this. We've had a few um, iterations <laughs> of our, um, you know, tui needles over the years. Yeah, yeah. that's true. We, yep. we should um, update our museum. <laughs> yeah, we should. <laughs> um, so. Uh, what we're going to do. So we've got a few things. We're going to talk about some of the challenges. But first of all, why did Sanders help us see a therapist? He had low alpha esteem. Okay, pull yourself together, mate. Come on. So I need you to need you to educate the masses. Okay. <laughs> so, <laughs> what are some of the challenges to changing over? Number so, one. Uh, manufactured product availability. Yep. I so, think yep. that has been a real uh, cause of delay. Handbrake, yeah. People yep. are nervous that they change over and then they have enough to do it for two months and then suddenly they haven't got any yep. two needles or um, spinal needles. And when you run a hospital, which is doing emergencies all the time, you can't <laughs> run out of equipment, yep. can you? <laughs> and the global <laughs> pandemic and its yes. impact upon uh, inventory yeah. Uh, management. Yeah, uh, so we, that might have slowed it down too. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, um, yeah. Yep. Put the brakes on. Yep. Um, so that's probably one of the main ones, isn't it? Yeah. And the yeah. next one is, um, you know, the uh, effort required for such a big project yeah. in terms of staff education. Yep. And uh, providing um, uh, systems that enable the changeover to be. Um, Without problems. Yep. Yeah, that's right. Um, and usually most hospitals have changed over or all the equipment all at once. So it's like a big, like, 
you know, I think there's a on, spe- a, on a Sunday it's all um, lure, <laughs> on a Monday it's all yellow. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And I think it's, uh, it's like I think Sweden back in the fifties had this one this one day where they changed they over. So they all used to drive on the left, and then, and then, they, then they, they changed back again. And then they had like five days when no one's allowed to drive. Mm. And then they all, and when they came back, they always drive on the right. So it's a big deal. Um, everything changes all at once, and it can be a bit of chaos when you do something like that. Yes. Um, <clears throat> So it's probably easier to do in small places than big places. Yes. Uh, funnily enough, isn't it? Because there's more inertia to change in large institutions. Yeah. And and sometimes it's it's not as difficult in smaller places because... There's less people to target and less people to, cha- yeah, to educate and it's just a bit easier to troubleshoot. Exactly. Yeah. And there's the, the complexity of the patients, I think... Yep. Also, um, yeah, make definitely. it a little bit easier. Yeah. The, the 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 thing that I'm a little bit reluctant to do is to give away the good kit we've got without having something to replace it that's just as good. Yes, that's right. Because we rely upon good equipment to provide care for the really difficult patients. Yep. In so some instances. So uh, here at King Edward, we haven't changed over yet because, um, and I know you're involved in the committee mm. that's discussing it. Graham. So the main piece of kit that we're worried about is the CSE kit, isn't it? Mm. Which we don't use very often in smaller hospitals where they're straightforward patients. I hardly ever use it. Yes. But here, when they're morbidly obese patients or patients with other comorbidities, it's, um, we it can use, be very it's helpful. very useful when we use it all the time. Mm. I mean, there um, are CSE kits available, but yep. they're of a different quality. Yep. Um, uh, you know, anyway, I'm I, sure I, that will get resolved, or we'll just have to learn to use the slightly different kit, or you know, exactly. <coughs> I mean, it is a workaround solution, yep. and so I think we could probably come up with an alternative workaround solution yep. with what's av- what's going to be available. Um, so the other thing that has been mentioned is um, uh, if in relation to women uh, obstetric anaesthesia is the epidural blood patch. So this is an interesting, yes. isn't it? Interesting procedure. I know we've done lots of podcasts on it here because it's basically an, an interface between. It's where two two systems will be coming together. You know, previously, we all just used all the same syringes and tubing, mm. but now we've got these two systems that actually collide. These two worlds collide where you're taking an intravenous product, someone's blood, and you're trying to stick it in their back, and the equipment isn't interchangeable. So you have to have some workarounds or some solutions to try and make that um, available. And there are three different ways of doing it. Interestingly, there is a... Um, there is an adapter, I think. No, no, there is a product produced by one of the manufacturers. Just for blood patches? A blood patch kit. Oh, yes. right. Yeah, so we, have it, we have it here. Okay, so that's a new thing. So when I watched the um, presentation from the guy in Germany, he said that when they changed over, they had to make up solutions. So they had an adapter which you can use, but they were reluctant to sort of make adapters available around the hospital because it sort of negates the, mm. <laughs> the safe, <laughs> the safe factor, uh, the safety aspect of it. And if everyone's hooking up adapters and injecting things in the wrong, <laughs> down the wrong thing, but um, they just basically, you know, you can you could squirt blood out of a, a normal Lua syringe into an NRFIT syringe, which is a bit messy, uh, or you can. Um, Actually, just take blood using an NRFIT needle is what, what some people have done. Mm. Um, you know, it's, it's it's sharp and it's you know, it's designed. Uh, it's a filter needle. It's eighteen gauge. And it's eighteen gauge. So it's a bit bigger than you, but you can <laughs> well, you can see you can just do that. Yes. Um, so there are ways around it. Yeah, yeah but, but we do have a dedicated I'd, I'd love kit. to see the dedicated yeah, yeah, yeah. kit. Yeah, I'll, um, I'll get it and show it to you. Um, and apparently, oh. neurosurgical and spinal drains, which are the neurosurgeons and other um, people, they still aren't manufactured. So there's a few things that aren't manufactured, but mm. it sounds like the manufacturers are coming on board and just about supplying everything now. So there's less and less excuse for us to procrastinate, I suppose. Um, I think, you know, mentioning (coughs) the fact that you can work around, you know, it is true that if we were 
we were stuck we could use a solution like that because ultimately yep. with the epidural connector for NRFIT, it is uh, compatible with our standard Lua epidural connector. Yep. However, you know, that's a solution at the moment if we have to move a patient from one hospital using NRFIT yeah. to a patient to a hospital that's not using NRFIT. Yeah, we can um, we can we can do that, yeah. but, um, which is a pretty rare event. It's a rare event, and usually yeah. you're not using usually they're delivered or you don't need to keep using the epidural. Mm. That's <sighs> like plan plan F. Yeah. Mm. All right. Good. Did Rudolph go to school? No, he was, he was elf taught. Oh. <laughs> Any final thoughts? See, it's a, I thought I thought you, t- uh, you, you, you blew yours at the start. I, I'll save them for the end. I was talking to my colleague. <laughs> <laughs> His wife, Eileen. I think you told me. What's that? He bought her a, um, something to um, stuff the stocking with at um, Christmas time. A wooden leg. Was that you? Yeah, yeah, you mashed that joke really badly. I think I did. <laughs> Here's, I'll tell you the joke properly. Okay. I'm getting my wife a wooden leg for Christmas. Don't worry, it's not the main present. It's just a stocking filler. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Merry Christmas. <laughs> I think we'd better end on that note. Okay. Thanks again, Graham. That was actually really, really good, and hopefully people who are listening... Um, raise the issue of these sorts of rare events and uh, they will understand because I think everywhere everywhere around the world especially around Western Australia and other parts of the world they're going to see this change in the next year or two and that's um, this, so that's why this is all happening yeah. If in the meantime someone does administer a substance that they don't intend or hadn't originally intended to administer into an epidural, from what I read in the literature yep. saline lavage Right. Is about all you can do. Aspiration yep. and saline lavage yep. to, try to try to do dilute the, and luckily uh, most the things, substances. Most things are benign. Mm. Intrathecal uh, space is a much less forgiving space than the epidural space. But yeah, but things like antiseptics and tranexamic acid are bad. bad. Those yep. are the two that I really want to not uh, have injected in your actually that I can think of. There's yep. probably others, but not maybe that we come across in anaesthesia. And then local anaesthetics injected intravenously. Yeah, and that's a dangerous. Large, large yeah. dose is dangerous. Yeah, very dangerous. All right, on that sour note, you know, we, were, we were finishing on a high with all the funny jokes. We're now on a bit more of a downer. We'll finish there. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> Thanks Graham. Have Merry Christmas. Yeah, Merry Probably Christmas. Probably won't do any more uh, podcasts till next year. Thanks. See you. Go to the iTunes menu and subscribe to the show if you like it. Write a review. This will also help us uh, get seen by other listeners on the iTunes menu. If you're also interested, please go to our website at www.opsandguidingcritcare.org where there will be lots of show notes and links to uh, interesting videos related to the topic that you've just listened to. See you again next time.